after this week, I'm beginning to think that the word plus has lost all meaning. <laughs> just just after this week? Yeah, or, or that like, well, actually, it's been the culmination of the past year, but like, or that it's the laziest word that you can attach to the end of a thing to make it sound like new and premium. Yeah, it really is. And then with that, I bring that up because uh, I have rebranded my personal website as Carlos Plus, and that is not a joke. I saw that on the um, the, the the thing that you sent me a couple of days ago. Yes, people can go to carlos.plus and they get a service that is free for the first three months and then free forever thereafter. Huh. And also, like LinkedIn, I have added stories to it. So yeah. Just a shameless personal plug. No, I, that's that's half of what the show is for. Mm-hmm. But no, I bring up the plus thing because I bought a couple of new shirts at Banana Republic a couple of weeks ago, and Banana Republic now has a line called Banana Republic Plus <laughs> with <laughs> is that luxury. A, I swear is that, to God, is that their subscription service or? Well, that's the obvious joke, but no. Apparently, <laughs> so they used to have Banana Republic Heritage, and now they have Banana Republic. Banana Republic Plus, which is the intersection of luxury and performance. And it's a fucking t-shirt. Wow, that's a strange crossover of a couple different things. Plus, and then the use of intersection of blank and blank. Oh, I added the intersection thing, because that very much oh. may be me doing an intersection of liberal arts and technology and uh, taking money from developers or whatever. whatever Tim <laughs> yeah, was that, 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 that was the intersection. That's whatever right. Tim has embroidered on his throw pillows. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> yeah it's pretty good um anyway but no but, but also with the plus thing um again everybody go to my website sign up uh target nothing okay so there's been like four of these that have piled up over the past week so i was shopping on target.com for something hmm. and apparently they have kind of like it's kind of like an amazon marketplace deal where if you search for something and it's not actually sold by target itself you can buy it through target plus which somehow is something else. I have no I, idea. I see. Uh, that, then, uh, well, I, I can go on this big rant about how buying stuff on Amazon now is just a oh, total crapshoot. But well, no, because you, you got to look out. It's it's like uh, like there. I'm not going to swear this episode if I can help it. But you're always getting screwed. Like you have to know that something is not made by somebody else. You, like basically, I don't buy anything unless it says shipped and sold by Amazon, like, and there's no way to filter for that, and it sucks. I know. And I, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. and again, like, and this is not going to be a show special for this week because it's still very much a tentative up in the air thing. But I got a new, I had to replace a photo printer this week and it, it's, it's weird where you can add something to your cart. And then depending on like Amazon stock levels, you can get a product that was shipped and sold by Amazon becomes just some like price gouging marketplace seller. Mm. Or if you're not paying attention to your little notification in the cart that says the price of this product has increased or decreased. Like I could have paid four hundred dollars more for this photo printer, and, and that's super annoying. But yeah, but Target now, yeah, so you can have tar- stuff fulfilled by Target Plus. I was price comparing this Epson printer, and then it was taking me over to Walmart Plus, and then it was the shirts, and now it's iCloud Plus, and it's just it's it, it's it's lazy. And also Paramount Plus. Are you are you aware of the service? <laughs> Vaguely, yeah. <laughs> Uh, it's actually in the follow-up notes, and I, I was forget because I the only way I, the only reason I know it, like I honestly I think CBS All Access was a better name because I don't I don't have any brand affinity for Paramount Pictures. I don't know. Like, do you? 
No, of, co- of course, nobody has brand affinity to any of these giant media companies, with the obvious exception of Disney, which we've talked about before on this show. I honestly, I care more about Hulu than I do Paramount. Oh, well, yeah, I, I, I agreed. Yeah. But yeah, but Paramount Plus, their, their um, tagline, which, which is somehow only slightly better than, what was the Warner... Like where dreams discovered. are made of, or something. It, it's almost that bad. Um, <laughs> Thank you. The stuff dreams are. Sorry, mm. no. The, it's quote the stuff that dreams are made of. No pyramid. Or sorry, nope. No pyramid. No period. No, of oh, course sorry, not. I'm, yeah. I'm looking in. Also, it's uh, Paramount is not a pyramid. It's a mountain. Like yeah. Right. But their tagline is live sports breaking news. A mountain of entertainment. Mm. Hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. and they yeah. have Dora and SpongeBob uh, way up front. Of course, yeah. Does is that bringing in the kids? I honestly, or is, that, I, or is that bringing in the, in the subscriptions? For whatever reason, I never remember that Nickelodeon is associated, or I guess owned by Paramount. Maybe. Well, no, sort, it's it's owned of? by Viacom, isn't? Because because CBS, CBS and Viacom that? like uh, got a divorce under the Les Moonves era, and then became separate companies and then they kind of pulled uh AT&T and they're all the same company again. But then wait, so then does CBS own Paramount? Who's the parent? <sighs> Which one are you? <laughs> Wiki CBS. Where's, where's Jason Snell? Yeah, go 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 call him. Could... <laughs> I'll go drive down the street. Um broadcast CBS oh, so, must be the parent company. No, no. So the this is confusing. This is why I like the uh, Wikipedia articles that are well made are always are always the best. So the owner is Viacom CBS. It's all squished together as one word, okay. incorporated, and it's a public company that owns. What's their v- stock ticker? Uh, no, V is Visa. I was trying to think and make a joke because um, there are some companies that actually managed to get the one letter. Um, ticker and that's always pretty impressive yeah uh the company's main properties include the paramount pictures film and television studios cbs entertainment domestic networks including mtv nickelodeon bet comedy central and showtime yeah got it okay so cbs viacom owns viacom Nic- cbs viacom cbs owns nickelodeon and also owns paramount and paramount is the name of cbs viacom viacom cbs is okay i've got it yep mm-hmm. checks out yeah and that brings up i i i think i'm sure i've mentioned this on the show before there was a oh yeah why is dora crying there we go um what i feel like we've talked about this is that before. is that a meme no come on google images <laughs> like three years ago they broke google images where you just can't link you just can't right click on stuff and get a link <sighs> i know yeah it makes me so mad yeah. But there was a thing when there was a carriage. Dis- wow. Yeah. This throwback. Uh, there, there was a carriage dispute between um, Viacom and I think DirecTV. We, we have we have talked about this and used this exact image on the show before. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's the best because they have Swiper and Dora crying and they, they paid one of their illustrators to make this because they were mad at Time Warner Cable and they weren't. They, yeah. It's, it's kind of the best image ever. See you, you flexing again with your sixteen percent of knowledge of everything. It's why does know... it keep going down? <laughs> it was twenty five. <laughs> I don't know how in the world did you know the name of this the other character 
in this photo. Because there's a, I I don't, again, my my mainstays of kids entertainment are Kipper and Bluey. And then that Caillou kid can go jump off. Anyway, (laughs) hopefully you do not know what Caillou is and hopefully you never do. I I, I don't. And I'm also a bit uh, surprised, I guess is the word that you have strongly formed opinions of, um, I'm assuming animated children's entertainment. So it's because like I, I watch news hour on PBS and sometimes you tune in too early and they're still showing kids stuff. And there's mm. this, there's this thing named Caillou and it's literally the blandest child on the planet. <laughs> and he, it's not even like he's inoffensive. It's just nothing happens, but not even in a good way. And well, what's an example of a situation where nothing happens in a good way. Are you talking about like Mad Men? Kind of. Okay. But there was that one time where he or like Seinfeld whole... or Friends. No, like no, because you think the show about nothing, and that's not what it is. But like, it's okay. literally you'll you'll in in two years you'll get suckered into watching Caillou, and it's the worst. <laughs> Again, just put on Bluey or Kipper, which is a British uh, sheepdog, and he's adorable, and it's really good. Well, His theme song is great. In in uh in two years we may not have linear TV and so the notion of turning into something two minutes early just might not be a thing. Fair, <laughs> but again, Caillou is the worst. What were we talking about? Uh, I think we why were is Dora crying about Target Plus? Yeah, Dora's crying. Paramount Plus, Mountain of Content, Mountain of Content, the 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 where dreams are made of. I don't think that was what it was. Okay. <laughs> But the, the fact that it took me a second to think maybe it was, was, was not promising. <laughs> no. Um, anyway, yeah, the, pl- the word plus is meaningless. And uh, that actually might be a good way to get us out of here and do follow up. Yeah. <clears throat> so Paramount Plus is going to introduce a, because uh, it's $10 a month for the what used to be CBS All Access and is ostensibly ad free, right? correct and that's been i guess the only option you've had so if you wanted paramount plus you've had to opt for the kind of you know plus plus version which is Mm -hmm. 10 bucks i think 10 bucks a month with no ads yeah and a lot of companies uh i don't know if i don't think peacock started this but they kind of did where they were by default it was a new streaming service that from minute one had a ad free and a non ad free or like an advertising supported tier for what is already a paid service. So, uh yeah, Paramount Plus is introducing a half price option that does have ad breaks. Right. And similarly, I don't know if we talked about it, but HBO Max is going to be doing something similar. And I don't know what the price point on that was or if they've just announced that they're deciding to do it. They I think we did mention that on the show um upgrade mentioned something interesting about that which i hadn't considered which is hbo's content on hbo max doesn't have any ad breaks right because all that stuff was you know aired on a network that doesn't have ads and mm-hmm. so jason sort of was pondering how they're going to handle that i mean presumably it's just with like a pre-roll ad or something but um, I guess they, they did say that they're not going to, you know, artificially insert ad breaks. So it's kind of interesting to see how, how that works. 
Yeah, because I because I, I don't assume people who are buying HBO Max are doing it because they want like the the non HBO stuff. Like I feel like the um like Friends and all the do they have Seinfeld or was that one of those things that has uh, that like licensing rights are all tied up? I I was just literally going to say that outside of all the HBO stuff and Friends, I have no idea what's on HBO Max. Could not even. Begin <laughs> well, that's another to tell one. You. That's another one of the confusing things, kind of like the CBS Viacom, th- Viacom CBS thing, which is that they own a Cartoon Network. Wait, huh? Who does? Paramount. Ye- HBO. <laughs> Oh, okay. But then I was going to say, but they also have Comedy Central. But no, we just established a second ago that that's Viacom. This is I, I miss cable. So wait, does that mean that Cartoon Network's going to be on Discovery Plus soon? Sure. It's a, it's a deep cut. Wait, what? I don't oh, get Come on, don't make me explain this. No, say again. Oh, you're killing me. It's because, remember the... No, no, no it, but the, don't, the whole, don't, it, don't explain it to me. Just tell me what it was again so my it, brain can catch up. <laughs> it was, so you're saying Cartoon Network's owned by Warner, right? Yes. And Warner is getting merged into that new company with Discovery. So I was making a joke that Cartoon Network's going to be on Discovery+. Plus. But it will. Uh, Oh my God, Carlos! Nobody, but it will though. I, yeah. Anyway, let's move on. <laughs> okay, but can I can I clarify that that's more of an uh, that that highlights an ineff- <laughs> unsuccessful joke, not my cognitive skills. Wow, it's harsh. Probably fair, but harsh. <laughs> well, if you have to explain the joke multiple times, anyway. All right. <laughs> I'm just saying. I've. I've anyway. I've, I feel attacked. <laughs> you All feel right. Attacked. Um, okay. Well, yeah, that's what Gen Z people say. Mm-hmm. But they're still mad about the side parts. All right. Um, what? There's a thing where Gen Z has been mocking and being mean to millennials because they uh, do they still do side parts. Mm. And like they're talking about uh, chuggy stuff because they're mad that Gen Z is mad at, at millennials for having allegedly a less bad time than they are, even though it's bad for both generations. Got it. Okay. Anyway. Uh, and then before we get into... So this, this was WWDC week uh, without any of the in-person stuff. Um, so we're about to get into that. But actually, one thing I think that can bridge the gap between that is that Adobe has introduced native versions for um, ARM-based Macintosh computers uh, of InDesign, Illustrator, and most importantly, Lightroom Classic, which is the the only Lightroom anybody should be concerning themselves with. And uh, allegedly, it is uh, seventy-five to one hundred percent faster than comparable Intel products. So that's huh. pretty damn cool. Yeah, yeah. Because I was very, very nervous, and I think we talked about this um, online, offline, but that they might use this because Adobe on iOS and on the Mac has introduced a simplified and kind of next generation version of Lightroom, and it's not very good i mean like it's fine like on a uh, like theoretical level or like functional like of how it uh manipulates images and stuff but it's kind of useless for doing anything other than editing a handful like a hundred or fewer images and i was nervous that at least on the mac side 
they might use the Apple silicon tra silicon transition as kind of a, a way to kind of put the knife in Lightroom Classic. But no, uh, it is around to stay, and that's pretty awesome. Yeah, and it's it's never well. I mean, I guess in this case it didn't matter, but it's usually not a good sign when you rename the mm -hmm. existing product classic and make the new thing just you know named what the old thing used to be usually that's that's a sign that the the old product is not long for this world but but that um seems to not be the case here which is yeah. good because yeah, so I, like I likewise don't think i've ever opened lightroom i've only ever worked with lightroom classic good uh, it's kind of, and this is, this is a reference for the olds, but, um, kind of like new Coke, like, no, everybody just wants Coke. If you want, if you want a soft drink, you want Coke classic. You don't want that new thing they tried in the eighties. Well, what you really want is Coke zero, but no, everybody wants Coca-Cola black without the C. Mm. Mm -hmm. not, the right. car not the caramel one though, or the vanilla one, just, just the regular one. So what you yeah, want. Or, or just none of them. <laughs> well, yeah, that's, that's true too. Hmm. All right, so this next uh, three quarters of the episode is going to be all Ryan because mm -hmm. I well, so okay, so I guess I'll tee it up and then he he will take it from there. So on Thank Monday you. was the second uh, not or second virtual WWDC keynote, uh, which has increasingly become kind of more of a consumer event than anything else, and they've kind of taken that segmentation of what's in the kind of like their summer keynote and what goes in the State of the Union for kind of the more. Uh, developer and tech-centric people but yeah this is, this is the second one in this weird format and um kind of kind of kind of weird what the announcements were um i assume anybody listening to this probably has listened to upgrade as well so there might be some overlap but yeah apparently you took very very studious and copious notes i did mm -hmm. yeah i actually do have quite a few notes here because it was a long presentation i think it pushed almost two hours and there were many 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 segments like mm -hmm. it I, I i can't really recall if a wwdc keynote's ever really been structured quite in the same way that this one was because we I mean, they kind of are. I just like, well, normally they usually they're like, hey, uh, watch. Like, it's normally segmented by operating system. It's like the Mac, the which, iPad, and then watch. Which this was, well, but, no, but there, there was there like were, health and there were. Yeah, there were yeah. many other segments, too, which which we'll get to. Um, mm -hmm. And sort of on that topic and then also on the topic that you raised around this sort of straddling the line between being a consumer versus developer focused presentation <laughs> one thing that was sort of funny was that the very last section of the i don't even know how many different sections there are here it was developer technology so it was like kind of this moment where it's like <laughs> oh shit we're like an hour and 40 minutes into this thing and we really haven't talked much about developers we should we should probably do that um so, so yeah, anyway, enough with the, enough with the meta stuff. I mean, yeah, I mean the, this whole, you know, virtual Apple presentation thing is just something that I think we're basically used to now. Um, and there, there weren't really any major changes to the, the kind of, um, look or anything to this. It just felt like, a what Apple's been doing for the last year, except for the 
very disturbing memoji filled audience. I didn't care for that. And I, I was concerned. I saw this comment elsewhere too, or maybe it was on upgrade. I was very concerned that at first that was going to be like a recurring theme through the whole thing. But for, fortunately mm-hmm. it just bookended the beginning and end. Mm-hmm. Uh, but anyway, let, let's get into it. So first up was iOS and Craig called out three main themes that they focused on with iOS 15 this year, which was number one, staying connected. Number two, finding focus. And number three, discovering more with on-device intelligence. Who doesn't love on-device intelligence, Carlos? Um, And they, so they started with the staying connected section, which I think can be summarized best by saying like, yeah, this is all the stuff that would have been great to have the last year in FaceTime and messages and is now being caught up really not just a year too late, but probably multiple years too late. So FaceTime got things like FaceTime links where you can, you know, share out um, links ahead of time to people FaceTime on the web so that people can join from a, from a Mac or I guess a Windows PC. I don't think there were any browser requirements with that. They even said Android. Oh, okay. Um, you can't start a FaceTime call on the web, but you can join one. Um, and then the other big feature that they spent quite a bit of time on was share play, which is this idea that when you're on a FaceTime call, you can start listening to music and everybody on the call will be able to hear that i guess as long as they're all apple music subscribers um you can also do this with video they they dem- they actually ended up demoing that i guess a little bit during the ios presentation but then also talked about it during the the home segment on apple tv which we'll get to in a bit um again assuming that everybody's got access to the content that wants to be shared Sounds like there are kind of some some neat little features around that with things like, you know, anybody on the call can can pause the video or rewind or or do stuff like that. Um, although it is kind of strange, especially if you're going to do video on the Apple TV where the idea is that you're going to have to have like your iPhone or your iPad nearby because that's like how you're connected to the other people. But then you're watching the content on your TV. Uh, I don't know. It's not really something I imagine i'd use i mean streaming apps or some streaming apps already have this type of functionality like i think you can do something with disney plus where you can set it up where you can like watch stuff with friends um but i've, I've never never really used any of that stuff um, i think there's a, a, a component of i think it's called watch party inside of netflix where you can kind yeah. of sync up and pause together people and you have kind of like a no not slack but you have like a little group chat inside the netflix app I mean, I there, mean, was, it's, there was like some browser plugin or something like early in the pandemic that was letting people do that too, I think. Yeah, um, I mean, it, it's it's neat, but the part of it, so I mean, they, they frame it as it has API hooks and it's going to be a new, there's a thing, I think it's called ShareKit, but there's a way for developers to like to incorporate this type of thing. Be, uh, but this feels mostly like a services play just because the two things it would work best with would be Apple Music and Apple TV Plus, which is, I mean, like I, I get that that's, I'm not I'm not hating on it for being self-serving, but that's kind of it's it's a self-reinforcing feature for their services segment of the business, which was a recurring theme throughout the whole whole damn uh keynote. Yeah. 
Um, and you know, Hey, I don't use FaceTime, <laughs> so, um, I don't really have a ton else to, to say about that. Mm-hmm. Um, messages was the next big thing they focused on, um, better Can photo you... sharing, which looked nice. Sorry, um, super, super quick yeah. going back to FaceTime for a second. Mm-hmm. So a couple of key things here was that they, um, kind of had not admitted defeat, but they kind of uh acquiesced to the things that made zoom popular and dominant so one i mean like as you said the joint like it can run on non-apple devices and the thing that makes that simpler is that you can join just by a simple url which is kind of the trojan horse or the the key uh killer feature of zoom but also when they introduced group facetime calls one or two years ago they had that really weird thing where like the tiles of who's speaking kind of float around and depending on who's speaking the loudest, it kind of like just whooshes in and out. They have included just kind of the very standard iconic zoom grid of people on a call. It still kind of intelligently tries to identify who's speaking, but yeah, like the, the biggest functional changes of FaceTime that exist are both things that basically explain that. Yeah. Kind of zoom is doing this better than anybody else, or at least they, they understand that it's, less flashy but it's a simpler way to achieve what people want yeah and there were a handful of other things too like you can do the whole blurred background thing which you can do on zoom i mean and that um, is actually one cool thing where they uh because of the portrait mode stuff and kind of the a deeper system integration to the cameras and like the depth sensing that that will actually work better which i mean that's cool but yeah that's that's totally yeah a feature straight out of zoom right but also a feature that wouldn't be available on any mac right because none of the mac webcams can do the portrait mode stuff i think so but there have also been stories recently and we'll, we'll get to this in the mac section where intel max will not be getting a lot of features that the m1 processor can do and i mm. do think that um something related to video blurring or video something or other was in there but we'll probably get to that oh maybe the the m1 max might sort of fake the blurred background thing through yeah, the whatever it's called the image processing or whatever that the m1 does yeah i think they called that out when the imac came out that like the, the camera lens is not that much better but it has kind of like iphone smarts in it through the m1 right yeah um so yeah so messages was the next thing up uh, I, I briefly mentioned the the better photo sharing stuff so this included things like when people send you you know many photos it'll kind of stack them together and then you can click in to to flip through them um i guess you can also set it up now where when someone shares you um a, a set of photos they'll actually show up in your your photo library with a little icon indicating that hey this this was from um, a message thread that you had um i pre- presume there's going to be a way to to <laughs> turn that off or yep. somehow um you know modify that Although I guess it is by default smart enough to know not to put like screenshots and things in your photo library. I feel like that'd be a cool opt-in feature where if you have a couple of trusted contacts that are frequently sending you stuff, that would actually be neat. But if that was on by default, I feel like that's yeah. Hopefully you can yeah. Hopefully you can specify it like by person or by thread or something like that. Mm -hmm. Um, And then another cool feature which came up a handful of times through the presentation and it was first introduced in this messages section is this idea of shared with you where if someone shares a playlist with you or shares an apple news link or um something like that 
what will happen now is in Apple Music or in Apple News, or I, I think this is also a thing in Safari now. Like if someone's just sends you a, a URL, you can go to this shared with you section and, you know, listen to the playlist, click on the link, whatever. And then this will also give you the option to reply back in the thread where that was originally shared with you and, and comment on it or whatever. So the idea here basically is like a use case where people send you something, but you, you know, aren't in a position where you can listen to the playlist or click the link or whatever, but you can then come back to it later and kind of be reminded of it within the, the, the app that that shared thing relates to. So eh, kind of a neat idea. Yeah, I mean, I like it, but I mean, the, again, the whole thing that kind of stinks about it is that it's limited to Apple's own apps and also specifically Apple's own money generating services apps. Yeah, I like, don't think they they didn't say anything about this being like no. an AP. Yeah, like ShareKit or whatever was was very clearly framed as being something that other people can hook into, but they weren't really saying, "Hey, if you're a podcasting app, you can you can jump in on this." And again, like this, it's not that I dis like that I'm against. Because those seem like much more honest service revenue pursuits, like even though my complaints about Spotify versus Apple Music, but those make more sense. But um, like, I don't think any, this, I, we're still at the point where nobody likes Apple News and most T word folks don't like Apple Podcasts either. So, yeah, well, and it's you know, already through the recap of these first couple of areas here, we've already sort of touched on something which Jason Snell also highlighted, which was just, weird about this event overall which is apple kept sort of bouncing back and forth between like features that are extensible to developers and then features that are strictly locked down to apple stuff um which is just a weird a weird dynamic in a ostensibly developer focused thing but anyway mm-hmm. um next big section was I guess you actually we sort of talk about these together. Really, it was notifications and focus, but notifications are are kind of a big part of this whole new focus system. But I guess specific to notifications, they called out um, notifications having more information on them now. Um, so they're they're basically sort of bigger, um, or at least have more text in them. Um, you can also turn on these notification summaries where th- through this new on-device intelligence or improved on-device intelligence, um, the system will attempt to group notifications together and allow you to more sort of quickly thumb through them like first thing in the morning or um, late in the day or whatever. Um and then another feature they called out in this notification section was when you turn on do not disturb now, and again, presumably this will be an option too that you can turn on or off. You can have it set so that people, when they go to message you, can see that you have do not disturb turned on. Just like an AOL instant messenger away message. <laughs> that's, that's right. Um, I, the, yeah. the one thing about this, um, like, so actually, again, this, this is still from upgrade. Where it sounds like all this on-device intelligence thing is basically just rename. You know how there have been those serious suggestions? Well, like if you connect to a Bluetooth speaker or something, it's like, hey, do you want to open up Pocket Casts? Right. Yes, because yeah. that's literally the only thing I ever do with it. Like it feels like it's just uh, 
a new marketing name for that. I mean, hopefully it has legitimately gotten smarter, but the thing that makes me skeptical about the notification summaries and that kind of stuff is I don't know, because like, as when you had mentioned, uh, when I would, was talking about the attention stuff and trying to figure out how to like make my phone less distracting and you had discussed, um, disabling mail notifications and things like that. Like I went much more granular notification settings. Like unless they're overhauling that, managing uh, iOS notifications stinks, and it's it's very 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 difficult. And you have to do it on a per app basis, and it's not ranked in any logical or by like by importance or frequency type way. So, like it seems neat, but also this kind of feels like a feature that only makes sense for people who just say every app can send me notifications. Like I don't know functionally how much better this will actually be other than just kind of managing your notifications already. Yeah, I I agree. The whole focus system to me just sort of feels like this the system we have today where it's all sort of just like per app-based notification options, but with maybe a slightly easier way to like sort of group those settings together, but not really. I mean, I, I, I don't know how to like say this in a way that just doesn't like i don't know come across as being sounding like i've just like figured all this out but like i mean i i i just have a select number of apps that i allow notifications from and and like that's that's kind of the that's my solution and like i don't need different (laughs) modes for like different parts of the day i just i have a set of notifications that I want to see throughout the day and you know if i get a notification I mean, i'm also somebody who wears an apple watch basically 24 7 and if i if i get a notification and it, i'm not in a position where i can look at it right away that's fine i just ignore it and then come back to it later like i i i don't quite get why it, it just feels like this is adding more complexity as opposed to making things simpler I oof, that's tricky. I I think, hmm. or maybe I'm just boring and just don't have a whole lot like going on. I don't know, but it, it's it, I just I don't know. I don't feel like I'm overwhelmed <laughs> by notifications. You always have better self control than most people. I, I, I guess because <laughs> here's 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 my complaint, or or here's the thing where I think maybe you're not. This is your disconnection, like or or. Even though I'm less successful at it than you, I think we're both probably people who, whenever an app says this app would like to send you notifications, the answer is generally by default, fuck no, unless right. it's something. Yeah. But I think most people are like, yeah, it's fine. And then they have a thing where Snapchat is like saying like, oh yeah, you can buy the puppy ears dog filter for two ninety nine today instead of the usual 60 Robux or whatever. Like, I mean, I, I don't know what regular people do, but like, I think it's a lot of it's that, but also, I mean, they... Because this, this was a pony request that I had a few months ago and that will, I feel will never, ever get fulfilled, which is that, like, I don't know if focus, and maybe you can tell me if this feature is applicable here, but I would just want it where I could say, hey, only deliver me the notifications I would have gotten from Gmail or Slack once every two hours. And I know this feature won't do that, but that's a much more interesting way to solve notifications versus, like, who's leaving notifications on for like USA Today and Food Network? Like, cause they, when, when they had their example of here's all the other stuff that's going to get 
condensed down into these summaries. Like, they all seem like just garbage. Like, who would actually opt into that or turn that on? Like, I don't, I don't, I don't know. Like, it feels like it's not gonna make a big difference, but I, but I mean, sometimes I'll see people using their phones and they accidentally pull down notification center and it's just like this thing that you could just swipe through for hours. <laughs> and it's just like, it's, like it's, it's, I don't know. Yeah. I, I don't think this, this isn't much like the iPad multitasking that we'll get to. This doesn't feel like at all, like a radical rethink. Um, other than the, and I, did we already talk about focus mode or, um, do not disturb sharing? Uh, I, I briefly mentioned that you can, yeah, share your do not disturb status and messages now. Yeah. So there have been a lot of apps that have done this, not apps, but like they, phone companies have tried this in the past of, of having the idea or the concept of presence available across devices where you can kind of say like, Hey, I'm available and Hey, I'm not like I, that's, kind of neat or interesting but like i feel like this is kind of like a blue bubble versus green bubble thing but this is this only works if everybody you know has an iphone and like that is kind of a weird position of privilege i hate that word but like but that like it's a very privileged thing to be basically every iMessage every iMessage and share kit and facetime feature and all this kind of stuff all of this literally only works if every single person in your social group has an iPhone. And I mean, I know, I know maybe people are a little self-selecting and that kind of stuff, but like, that's kind of like, I mean, you always have a couple of Samsung people who are, who are like, I don't, I don't, I don't want to live inside the walled garden or whatever. I don't know. These features kind of only work if you're doing that. Same thing. Like whether if you ever have like an iMess, like, do you ever have an iMessage, um, group with like one android person and then you'll just get like all those tap back messages will come in as just text right mm-hmm. yeah i don't know sorry what were you gonna say well um no, no you're you're um you're touching on something else that i was thinking about during this during the keynote which actually isn't even about like um cross-platform issues or sort of like the lack of these features working cross-platform but also this idea that so much of what Apple highlighted in terms of new features was sort of predicated on the idea that you had a, just a ton of Apple stuff in your life, right? Like <laughs> even like what we were talking about with like share play and watching videos like on your Apple TV with friends. It's like, okay, well, yeah, that's presuming that like everybody not only has an iPhone or an iPad, but also then has like an Apple TV. And well, then yeah, not, not everybody makes bad financial choices like buying an <laughs> Apple TV because that's what that is. <laughs> right and then like i mean as we'll get into more with like you know the universal control stuff on the mac it's like jesus okay yeah this person with the you know it's got their imac and their macbook pro and their ipad like, that fucking demo desk. was so but so infuriating because one <laughs> other than me nobody has that like I'm, I'm i'm the idiot that has both my well like i have my 27 inch imac next to my 13 inch macbook pro and i'm using it like i'm on an episode of csi but like that's not <laughs> anyway I'll, I'll go back to something later but like that that we'll get to that feature but i feel like that feature is silly but um yeah so much of this is like you have to be bought into every apple service where they're just built they're hitting your amex like 60 bucks a month for all the crap that you're, they're charging you for and that you own like five of everything they sell which which seems to not be not be um logical or plausible now yeah. Oh, sorry, uh, we, we left off on so we, yeah. So so focus mode. Um, like I kind of 
get it but also again this apparently this is just talking upgrade like it's an amc show but they had a good point of like was it was it jason or mike that was saying that like it's on the other person to have figured out their notifications do you remember that part of the conversation uh, not specifically, no. Like, I think, like, if one of them was saying they have trepidation about sending somebody a message either when they think they're going to be busy or if they live in a different time zone. And the other person was saying, well, like, you kind of, it's on the other person to manage kind of when they receive notifications. Oh, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, that that's coming back to me now. Yeah, I mean, like, that that made total sense where I don't like bothering people. That's why I will try to, like, not do the thing where somebody sends you, like, here's the thing that bugs the crap out of me in the, in the middle of the day. Which is that, like, I'm busy, or I'm irritated, or I'm on a call, or I'm doing something else, and then I will just get, like, six text messages in a row on my wrist, like, from the same person, and I just get kind of, like, and I'm like, who is doing this to me, and why are they doing it? Like, that's kind of on me for not having my notifications set up, but also, I kind of wish, like, if somebody was, like, furiously sending me, like, a bunch of links to something that I'd asked about eight hours ago, like, that wasn't just, like, a flurry of taps or buzzes or whatever while i'm doing something else and i don't really feel like focus mode or any of that other kind of stuff solves that because again this is this wasn't a fundamental rethink of notifications at all it's for a very specific type of customer that or, or uh, sorry user that isn't managing this already but for the person who's already been kind of mindful that's a loaded term but like or, or a conscientious about trying to manage that anyway that it's probably not doing much for him was your but comment yeah. about receiving a bunch of notifications from the same person over a short period of time kind of a subtle dig at me for when sometimes i send multiple slack links in short succession no that's fine or okay. i mean or that's well i mean maybe sometimes it is but no <laughs> but, it, but it's also kind of like sometimes you'll just like you'll be busy with something else and like it'll be because the I don't know if I have a setting for this, but the the taps I get for iMessages or text messages on my watch and just general notifications like Slack are different, right? Right. Is, is that a setting I did, or is that how it always works? No, I, th I think I think that's a setting. Yeah. Yeah, but like iMessage, sometimes I'll just be like, okay, like I got a text message, and then I will get I will be like for a moment slightly irritated, um, and then I will be go back to the conversation I was having or whatever I was doing. And then you just keep getting them and you're like, what do you want? And then, but there's, I wish the, how is the watch not, it has all these sensors. How does it not know that I'm, I'm irritated or I'm doing something else? Anyway. Um, yeah, I mean, for me, it's like, and I don't really even do this all that often because again, I just don't have a lot of different apps sending me notifications to begin with. But like when you really do not want to be bothered I mean, there's do not disturb, which has been a feature for a long time now. So I'll, I, you know, occasionally I'll just throw that on and then, hey, problem solved. But I think that's Apple's problem because they've never explained what do not disturb is because in my encounters, anybody who has do not disturb on doesn't, ex doesn't generally doesn't know why they have it on or how they turned it on. Like mm. the people who, the people who know what it is are probably not getting enough from that feature. And the people who don't know are wondering why they're missing calls or why only two of the people they know can ever ring through. Hmm. I don't know. But yeah, but I mean, it's kind of neat, but I do, I don't know. I, I, I don't, I don't know. Like because of the feature they show where like when you're sending somebody an iMessage, it has just kind of this persistent thing at the bottom that says like Amanda has, I has do not disturb on or is on in focus mode. 
I don't see what functional information that's getting or how that's why that should uh, impact somebody else. Like if I need to reach somebody, like, I mean, I, I would want you to set your notifications in a way that's least annoying or disruptive to you. But so am I supposed to now, because it, there's a little banner at the bottom that says, Hey, this person has focus mode on that. I'm now supposed to set an omnifocus reminder that says, Oh yeah. Text this person about something three hours later for some reason. <laughs> like now I have more work because somebody's busy. I, I don't know. That's an interesting way to look at it. Anyway, okay. Um, so a handful of other areas covered here in iOS. I'll kind of I'll list them off here in quick succession, and then we can come back to any areas that we find particularly interesting. Uh, there were kind of three three things with photos. There's there's live text now, which is basically like OCR for photos. Um, this system not only looks for like text and phone numbers and things but also can do things just visually so like it will know photos that have i don't know horses in it or whatever which is like something that they've kind of done in the past too but i guess it's just now kind of a more fully fleshed out system um spotlight was was talked about some um photos are now added to spotlight that was kind of the highlight there they had this really long section on memories in the photos app which mm. has like this integration with apple music i don't know this this <laughs> this their service this felt like the longest part of the presentation because it was just boring yeah, that, and it just felt video. like this... what's that that health video well I, but I, I don't know at least that's sort of like some... it had purpose yeah <laughs> yeah. yeah i don't but... know the, the, the memory stuff just seems like something i'm just never going to use no, because because um, no, messages like because memories do you because I have you ever have you because you're a notifications uh, judicial or judicious person, um, judicious not a word. Uh, do you have memories turned on? I do because it very seldom sends notifications. It's very sparing about that, and usually when it sends me something, it's it's kind of neat. Kind of. Yeah, I mean, like, I feel like it's very, it's 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 very very hit or miss, but it's not like a terrible feature. But this also, this is basically, hey, it's that. Except now we it, it to use the kind of interesting part of it, you need to pay ten dollars a month to Apple. Yeah, because that was it. It's like, hey, somehow it uses machine learning to find inoffensive songs from Apple Music that might pair well with this. So, anytime you go out for a hike, it's going to play Imagine Dragons or some like arena rock song that they play during NHL games. And that's now going to pair to whatever your outdoors activity was, which I mean, it's, it's fine, but that's not, I don't know. It's, well, but in, 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 when those memories do come up, it's like, it's neat to look at, you know, one or two photos or something, but like, I, I don't want to sit there and, and watch like a four minute music video. I don't know. Mm -hmm. It's just, I don't know. Not for like, me. Google photos does this much better. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's, yeah, yeah, whatever. Um, but yeah, but the the OCR stuff and like that kind of stuff is neat. I'm not sure how critical it's going to be, but it, I mean, it is because all the stuff like of all the object and image recognition stuff that was all available in the past, but it was hidden behind search. Where if you went to the search tab in your photos app and you typed in mountains or horses or dogs or whatever. It would generally do an okay job at that, but apparently it's now going to surface that much more clearly and cleanly. Mm -hmm. um, and I mean, the kind of neat part was that they had a thing where uh, if you take a picture of something that has a phone number in it, it, it does some kind of like the smart linking that phones have done for a while, where if you go to a website, it'll know to 
hyperlink or cross app link for certain metadata types if it's an address, phone number, or email address, or whatever. But eh. next section was wallet. Um, so the the two the two key things that I wrote down in my notes were house keys. So that's this is going to be something where Apple is going to make available the wallet app to smart lock manufacturers real quick. Uh, I don't mm -hmm. remember, but was, was August on that slide? I don't they think they were, were not. Yeah. Hmm. Um, but what, what's unclear to me, I have, I've been meaning to look this up, which is if this is NFC based, that's not all that interesting because, you know, unless you're someone with, an Apple Watch as well. Like if you're if you're just using your phone, like having to pull your phone out of your pocket to then hold up against your lock is not as good of ex an, an experience as like even the August Bluetooth LE system is. Mm -hmm. However, if this evolves into using the ultra wideband stuff, that could be that could be really cool. And it wasn't clear to me if that's being used here at all because because they, they also like talked about car key during this part of the segment but i didn't i didn't i didn't realize that car key is part of the wallet app i'm not even sure if it is because I, I didn't think the ultra wideband stuff like i thought the wallet app was nfc and then the ultra wideband stuff was something separate I, so I got, I got a little confused with that i do think the car key stuff is built into the wallet app because i just i know where else would it live but I, yeah, I, I've, never I been under, true. I've never been under the, under the impression that uh, wallet is strictly NFC. Oh, okay. Even, right. so, I mean, that's where all your boarding passes and like stuff that you would scan using an optical reader or something would go. But Oh, that's okay. That That's fair. Um, but yeah, anyway, so with, with house keys, we'll kind of wait and see. This is very much a feature that, well, including the next one that we're about to get to, is sort of like, this could maybe be cool, like a few years from now but is not gonna have any kind of like short-term um cool stuff i don't think um which it brings us to the next section which is id cards in wallet so apple's mm -hmm. apple i think sort of rightly describes something that i've thought about in the past too which is like one of the key things with like literally just not being able to leave your house or you know leaving your house without a wallet and just using your phone is is the idea that you know you need your ID with you and in quote participating states which is where Apple left it um you're going to be able to essentially scan your ID card and then have that be represented um on your phone including being able to share the information from it via NFC and the the use case that they said they're going to initially support here is um and this is actually kind of cool that they've they've got that they're working on this deal it's going to be with a tsa where when you share your id with a tsa you're going to be able to share your id information not by physically pulling your id out but instead just using your phone so i it, and it's kind of i guess i didn't think about this until just now but like you know if you're also using your phone for boarding pass there's a little bit of like a workflow question there which is like mm -hmm. do you do the id thing first and then flip over to your boarding pass i don't know hopefully there'll be maybe some kind of like maybe maybe there'll be a shortcut <laughs> where it's like you can um 
go ID than boarding pass or whatever on your phone. But I don't know. That that seems kind of neat depending on, I guess, if you're in a participating state. Yeah, that feature gets a big hell no, hell no from me. No, I mean, no, I, 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 I want this. Why? Why not? Physically showing somebody your ID versus semi-permanently transmitting your address, date of birth, and all that stuff in a digital form that is capturable and remembered forever. That's a fair point. Much like my, my again, this is a very common refrain on the show, not giving a copy or unlocked phone. This feels very, I, hmm, digital ideas, IDs, and similarly as something we were, we hopefully will never talk about on the show, vaccine passports and that kind of stuff. There are very fraught and complicated questions that go along with biometric data and sensitive personal information being digitized and now part of your phone that gets you kind of to a, um, a, a difficult and complicated spot. So this is sorry. So is California a participating state? Oh, they or are we did, are we sitting on the sidelines? They did not. That has not been specified. Okay, Gavin. I, I believe uh, Gavin. We we don't need this. You can, yeah, you can, I you can I read. Off, bud. I read that as there might not be any states that are currently signed off, but that Apple is working towards that. Oh, that, that was that so, was how so, I interpreted. Wait, is this is. Did you ever watch The Simpsons as a kid? Uh, sometimes. I forget. I think this was an episode where Lisa goes to the newspaper factory. Uh, the person there was talking about how much percent content of the newspaper is from recycled materials, and the answer was zero. So of particip- so uh, participating states, and the answer is zero. That's pretty... That's That's a very marketing gymnastics type of phrase to put on a keynote slide. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I'm speculating. I just, I, I, it seems, or I guess maybe it could be that maybe there's only like two states signed up so far and Apple just didn't want the headline to be only two of 50 states or is, is where this is going to be available. I don't know. Mm. Um, or it's, it's only accepted by uh, like parking cops in the city of Cupertino or something. I don't know. But like, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I mean, I, it's, it's, it's an interesting problem to want to solve, but I, and I also really don't like that your ID is now somehow ch- tied to your choice of smartphone vendor. I don't own. Oh, anyway, we'll move on. But I, a lot of this makes me gives me the the heebie-jeebies. Yeah, no, you're that, those are fair points. Um, so then the the last three areas of iOS were weather, maps, and AirPods. Weather basically is just Apple incorporating all the dark sky stuff that they bought a while back. Um. I don't know if there's really anything else to say there. Um, maps, no, the only bit is that they did not in, um, announce any type of um, like weather kit, anything. Because that's one of the things is that Dark Sky was always willing to sell their data or license access to the data to somebody else. And there was nothing like that announced, which is something that some people were bummed out about. Well, yeah, it could have been a, another service opportunity for Apple. <laughs> um, maps, maps, I felt like was sort of the, the same story that they've been telling about maps which is it's you know it's it's iterations on on top of what they already have although i mean it it started with them talking about how there's more countries that like their last round of updates are still rolling out to so it's it's a very it's a very slow process and i mean i mean listen like the building out a map database is is hard right so 
this it, it does take time but um you know throughout this presentation as well you had sort of the the thing which has become a recurring joke with maps which is you know the really the only city that was ever featured was san francisco <laughs> so which, you, you know the housing and rental prices here are ridiculous but hey at least you kind of are guaranteed to get first dibs on whatever apple makes sort of yeah so so while poughkeepsie new york will be forever waiting for bike transit directions uh we will have weird um untitled goose game style maps of the palace of fine arts well that's i was gonna say that i think there was some cool informational stuff that they called out including things like adding bike lane information and crosswalks and and things like that but all of i don't know if i don't know if how much of this was like a new look versus just me not having really been plugged into the visual changes that have been happening to maps for a while now but mm-hmm. a very strange cartoonish vibe throughout the whole thing that like i remember when maps first came out like struggling with the idea of like this actually does look a ton better than google maps so it kind of stinks that like this is all the data's wrong yeah but like now i i sort of look at it and be like i don't really know if i care for the look of this either so now i really don't know why i'd use maps instead of google maps yeah and yeah, I, I, the one part that was really interesting, and I, I, did you get back to the the enhancements to? Well, you talked about the crosswalk thing, but also they have a thing where there's kind of like three D semi AR so views. They call that of, they call it like city views, I think. Yeah. Well, the, what's the one where they're showing you kind of how, like you know, like let's say you're on the five eighty and you're approaching the 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 maze where you're you're either going to spill over into downtown Oakland or you're going to go to the Bay Bridge or you're going to go to ikea like if, if you have a complicated freeway interchange you had a thing where it was going to show you kind of like what those actually look like yeah and like the lane layouts like that seems really neat but i also don't really trust apple to deliver that so well, I, mean, it, I mean google maps already does that so but it doesn't show you in 3d space of like literally hey here's which one of these elevated ramps will take you to the East Bay versus Treasure Island versus what? Yeah, but it it does it does a pretty clear job. Oh no, it totally does. But that was the one part that I thought was really neat. But that also felt like something that, like the one they showed was like literally one exit away from Apple's campus. So I'm like, was that kind of the extent of it? Like just yeah. the 280 down there? I don't yeah. Know. Um, and then they also showed off this this augmented reality feature where if you exit a public transit station and you're sort of not clear on exactly which street is which and like kind of where you need to go it, it it can your phone can overlay basically directions to you um you know through augmented reality and that, that you know, looked that looked, that looked really cool. un, it looked cool but it looked very unapple like like the interface yeah i agree the text was big mm-hmm. yeah but it's a preview from the glasses or whatever that people mm-hmm. kept thinking we're gonna get announced but did not yeah, maybe um yeah. and then yeah la- so last section airpods because you know what's a developer keynote without an airpods segment um harsh so the first thing they called out like i don't want to hate on this but there there is a weird thing with this feature which is conversation boost where uh-huh. you if you're someone with you know very minor hearing loss or you just you have trouble hearing people when they speak especially maybe if there's a lot of 
ambient noise or whatnot, you can use your AirPods Pro to essentially sort of boost the 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 voice of whoever's speaking with you, mm-hmm. which which is a which is a, a cool feature, kind but. There, there's really no way to indicate to someone that you're using your AirPods in this way. So you just come across as looking like you have your headphones in when someone's yeah. trying to talk to you, which I, I don't quite know how you overcome that. Like the, 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 you know, the example they showed in the video was like, it looked like someone like at a restaurant and yeah, it's it like, a, it was a dude in his sixties with, with his AirPods pros and, and, and he was using it to better hear the server. Yeah. Which, which. If you're a if you're a server, what are you going to think when you walk up to a table and someone has their AirPods in? I, I, <laughs> you know, you're I, absolutely right. Yeah, I don't. So I don't. A cool feature, but I, I don't quite understand how you would actually go about using it in a way that just didn't make it look like you were listening to something. Yeah, I mean, like, I don't have strong feelings here, but like, I mean, this this isn't gonna like if you're if that's a feature that's important to you, like, it kind of feels like that's because they they do have, like companies will make very very um, tightly integrated hearing aids for iPhones, like this kind of like I'm I'm not sure really who is this serving, because if you need hearing aids that work all the time, AirPods that you have to put in a charging case every four hours are probably not that. So, I mean, I don't know. Well, I, I mean, the, the, these were never described as like a hearing aid replacement or anything. So, well, but, but then otherwise, who is the conversation boost for? I mean, I don't know. I, 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 there are situations where I would probably find something like this helpful, to be honest. But, but again, like I would be super self-conscious about it just looking like I'm wearing my headphones and not mm-hmm. actually paying attention. Yeah. Um, announce notifications. I, I, I don't want any of this like this so they they already support having like phone calls and text messages announced to you this expands that feature into all notifications which i don't want any of that well you want the food network app to be able to tell you about new dump dinners nope 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 um and then they talked about some find my stuff making it easier to, to find your airpods and then they they um, finally introduced, um, which I, this is, I guess, been something that people have been waiting for, um, spatial audio for, for TV OS. So now if you have AirPods Pro, AirPods Max, um, you can connect those to your Apple TV and, and have spatial audio. Um, they also mentioned this is coming to m1 max so kind of our first example of something that's exclusive to just m1 max and not not intel max like you mentioned earlier um and then they actually also mentioned that the dolby atmos stuff was coming out on um apple music and that was available starting on monday i still i still haven't um i still haven't tried that i saw that that whole fearless album from T Swift was one of the albums that, Wait, that has this. Yeah. Oh, I care now. Wait. <laughs> Wait. Um, and I, and I, I can, I can take advantage of this. Well, actually, through just listening to the album with the speakers on my iPad or iPhone, because both of those support <laughs> spatial audio. But the, the real way for me to test this would be on my Apple TV, which is hooked up to the whole Sonos setup that I have that that supports using this too. So I've, I've been wanting to uh, see what that sounds like. 
Also, quickly, like I, I guess, do you care? Like, it, it, they've been talking about spatial audio a lot. Do do you care? Um, I mean, like, I'm I'm curious. Like, I, I want I do want to listen to that album on my, you know, Sonos setup and see what it sounds like. I mean, I think it'd be kind of neat. I mean, better better sounding or you know fuller sounding music doesn't sound like a bad thing so but is that what it is i thought it was mostly like an environmental like gyroscopic effect like it doesn't actually well, that's like, spatial like, that's spatial audio which is different than dolby atmos support yeah i mean okay well, i don't know they had a they had a very long conversation about all of this on a recent episode of atp that i kind of zoned in and out of and because because then there's also like lossless audio which is also being kind of rolled into apple music here at the same time i don't know better sounding music sure cool um so that's ios um <laughs> next up was ipad os which um i'm actually just going to read two different tweets which will both be in the notes both of which well, the the first one from Dan Warren I thought was going to be kind of my my tweet at the keynote, um, but then Syracuse came in and <laughs> might have taken that title from from Dan. So Dan's tweet was, <laughs> "Look, those multitasking improvements are better, but not quite the radical we rethink we were all hoping for." Thought that was that was very spot on, and then Syracuse's tweet was, "iPad." A great accessory for your real computer trademark, which Boom, chef's kiss to that. Um, and both, you know, both <laughs> tweets really sort of, I think, encapsulate the way that I felt about all this iPad stuff, um, which was just kind of being underwhelmed by all this and having none of it really change the fundamental story or flaws of the iPad. And it was, it would, I mean, Jason, Jason called this out too, like, when they started the iPad OS part of the presentation, it really was like kind of leading up to like, oh, holy shit, are they really going to like do something crazy with the iPad here? Because they were like framing it as this kind of kind of the way that like people have been wanting Apple to be thinking about the iPad, which is this, it's like this super flexible device that can be used in lots of different configurations. Like, and it, re- it really seemed like like for this kind of 10 second period that Apple like really got it and was going to like do something crazy. And then they're like, no, actually we're just making our existing multitasking set of features slightly more easily accessible and like surfaceable, but otherwise not really doing much, which was, was really disappointing. Yeah, because to I mean to quickly summarize it, like the only things they really tweaked here was the kind of like the the thing where you pull up from the bottom of the screen to slide the dock over. Like they've made invoking multitasking and and picking like a second application to be involved in like a multi window or like a multi app type screen layout is now less lousy. Like as previously. You could only ever, like, let's say you were in Safari full screen and you wanted to do, like, a split view. You would The app had to live in your dock in order to be able to do it, right? 
Right. So now it kind of does a thing where you can say, hey, go off to the side for a second and let me look at my entire home screen. And now there's a more obvious way to have two instances of the same app open at the same time. But overall, this was this is most definitely not windowing and isn't really a rethink of, of multitasking no, at no, all. I mean, it's, like, it's, it's literally a I mean, bit. It's it's all like split view and slide over are are still the foundation of multitasking. I mean, those features were referenced multiple times throughout this presentation. It's just they now have sort of a, a multitasking menu that just makes those slightly easier to get to. But but the the the, the core of the way multitasking works is is basically the same. Yeah, I mean. What I mean, as somebody who's kind of an iPad hater, I mean, kind of cool. I mean, it fits. Because it's just like, it's the same debate that we've had that people can go back in the archives and listen to. But it's just, it's the same thing where they, they don't really want to make it what it needs to be. Or that that's a conscious choice because they feel like that's going to make the iPad too complicated. But yeah, but this is, this is not what power users wanted. And also, and, and for for the Jason Snells of the world, they... Also, 100% did not deliver on giving any pro apps in this keynote. Actually, his favorite app, uh, Ferrite, got a shout out on stage. Well, that but, yeah, that was cool. Um, you yeah, know, the there's other definitely thing, no Final Cut happening. No, and the other thing they didn't do here, which I mean, in some ways, I'm I'm glad they didn't, as someone who owns a 2018 iPad Pro, but they didn't do anything to justify the existence of the M1 iPad Pro. Like there was no set of features or apps here that in any way takes advantage of the increased power of of those new iPads, which I think really just leaves open the question of if you're somebody who owns a 2018 iPad Pro like I do, like why in the world would you think about upgrading to the new iPads? Like what what is there that would be in any way really an upgrade especially if you're going from the 11 inch to another 11 inch like i would like i mean you don't even get the better screen as part of that so mm-hmm. um I, well actually the first thing they they we kind of skipped over a couple of other things before they got to the multitasking stuff they 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 brought widgets to the home screen, which, which was basically just bringing you know the widget stuff that was on iPhone last year to iPad this year. the The one note that I took here is that they announced a parcel widget, which has got to be making the developer of deliveries a bit nervous because it it looks like it basically is just deliveries. Wait, so that that I didn't. I, I wasn't sure if they were referencing an existing third-party app for that because they're not. There's not going to be like an iOS 15 app for tracking deliveries, is there? Well, I, I think there is an iOS 15 widget that 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 tracks that that tracks stuff. That that was uh, my that was the way I interpreted it. Got it. Uh, unless there's an app called Parcel that they were referencing, I I, I thought it was an Apple native thing because mm. wasn't like back in the day of. Um, what the hell was it called on macOS or OS ten? Well, there Wasn't was there, there was dashboard which had the the widget, the like the you hit uh, like the equivalent of F four, and it would overlay those widgets, and then you could have like a little um, FedEx one or something. Yeah, right. Um, 
anyway, and, and then they also brought app library to the iPad, which again was just sort of bringing the iPad kind of in feature parity with the iPhone from last year. Um, and then, you know, they had a couple of other stuff with iPad. There's a bunch of enhancements to notes with, with quick note probably being kind of the, the most interesting thing they, they brought translate to iPad, which I had forgotten that that wasn't on iPad and was just on iOS. So another feature from iOS 14, that's now part of iPad OS 15, and then they kind of ended the iPad section by announcing that you can use Swift Playgrounds to natively build iPad apps on the iPad, of course, using Swift UI and, you know, all the way through submitting those apps to the App Store. Um, I'm not a developer, but it seems like the type of app that you'd be able to completely build on an iPad would probably be pretty limited um but it but they did also say that you can i guess export any of those projects into into xcode as well so mm-hmm. i don't know it's a, a I, I i think you know again not to just repeat like upgrade again but like i think jason sort of summarized all of this in in a, in, a, in the right way which is that all of this stuff is a step in the right direction. Like, I don't think anything here is like a step in the wrong direction for iPad. But, I mean, come on. Like, I mean, the iPad's been around for a decade now. And, I mean, even something like multitasking's been around for, I mean, how long? Five, six years now? And it's like, it just feels like it's still just being improved at a just glacial pl- pace, um, which is weird because, you know, iOS is in such a kind of mature place. I think Mac OS is as well. I mean, even, even watch OS feels like kind of a mature operating system now where like you kind of look at those three OSs and there's just not really a ton of obvious missing features or things that just sort of don't fundamentally work very well whereas i mean the ipad is just riddled with stuff that's missing or doesn't work very well and it's just it's just it's it's kind of crazy that ipad os continues to be improved just so much slower than the rest of apple's platforms yeah there um, so then we get into the section of the keynote where we get into kind of a random assortment of different segments before getting to the next major OS, which was watchOS. And those segments were privacy, iCloud, iCloud Plus, not making that up, and health. You thought I was making that up when I when I sent that to you in the thing, but I was not. I was like, they ripped off my idea. How dare they? Privacy, I, 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 there's not really a ton to get into there. I don't think that the well, only kind of neat thing that they highlighted, which was kind of more like they pitched it as a privacy thing, but I just thought it was kind of a neat feature, which is Siri is now going to do a lot of on-device well, I guess like all processing now is being done on device, but it's also going to not do like send anything to, to the cloud that it doesn't have to. So like anything that it can fully respond to just 
like not using an internet connection, it will do. And that makes Siri faster. Although my complaint about Siri isn't necessarily its speed, but um, I don't know. That seemed like that is potentially kind of neat. Well, I mean, because I mean, you're right. That's not a privacy feature. That's that's a performance feature. Like if you if you cannot have network latency be a hindrance to on device voice on device voice recognition, I mean, that's pretty cool. Like the demo that they had was, I, I forget who was presenting it, but they were just trying. They were just switching applications and doing just basic system functions that used to have to take a round trip to the internet and take like six seconds. Now it took like half a second. So I mean, that was actually really really cool. Yeah, and that that speaks to kind of the stuff that, um, like we talk about how Siri lags against um Google's assistant and the Echo um backend. Like, if you can make it insanely faster for the stuff that somebody knows works, like setting an alarm timer or opening an app, I mean that's 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 pretty neat. Yeah. Um, I guess the only other thing I had written down in the privacy section here is they now have the app privacy report, which is sort of a feature that's been in Safari for a while where you have kind of a visual representation of different trackers and things um, in Safari that, that you've come across. And now you'll have kind of the equivalent of a report where you can look at all your apps and like for those where you've enabled uh, location awareness, you can sort of see when and how that location information has been used. Um, so no, no sort of like change in policy, just more of a way of, of making that information transparent, which I don't know, I guess seems, seems good. Um, the iCloud section was, um, kind of a downer. <laughs> I mean, you know, in sort of a in, an important feature they announced here, but um well the for the first one they talked about was account recovery, which was where if if you if you got locked out of your account, like you forgot your password and you weren't able to access your two-factor authentication, you can actually have someone designated as being like someone who you trust to have Apple send a code to, which you can then use to like unlock your account. Mhm. Um, and then they also had what they're calling digital legacy, which is where mm -hmm. you can specify people who will get access to your iCloud account in the event that you pass away, which, which, uh, which is really, it, it's an important thing to think about. Um, so I, I'm glad Apple's doing it again. It was kind of a, kind of a down downer in the middle of, of the keynote, but, but, it, but it's, it's a good thing that Apple did. I'm, I'm, I'm glad they added this. And I, you know, I, I imagine it's in response to just something that well, Apple just has to, has to, you know, deal with on a regular basis. Well, yeah. And, and Twitter and Facebook have had deals as well as of how do you create, how do you either cascade ownership of an account or how do you memorialize or kind of like close off an account for somebody who has passed? And that's right. I'm like, and Twitter has done a decent job of that. I, and I, I haven't looked into it, but like I said, yeah, I actually found it to be a, the legacy contact part was a really interesting part of the keynote of how do you, like, I, I haven't looked into functionally how it works of how you prove that somebody has passed, but um, versus, because as, as talking about this as being like an attack vector for taking over an account, I don't know. Mm, yeah. Yeah, but, but it's definitely something important because like, again, as uh, <laughs> soon your ID, uh, stuff gets migrated into cloud-based stuff and more things go to um 
iCloud or your Google account. I mean, that's it's interesting that they're they're thinking about that. Yeah, iCloud Plus. <laughs> um, so there basically are three things that iCloud Plus includes. So there's private relay, which is like I guess sort of, but not quite really a VPN service. So it's a it's a VPN that only works in the web browser, right? Um, There's hide my email, which is sort of like I get this is what like what Hey did right, where it's it's basically like making it so that you're that if you if you I guess if you if you're using mail the mail app it will prevent emails that you receive from from pinging back tracking information to whomever sent you that email um and then there was homekit secure video which was like already i think a feature of icloud but i guess maybe now there's like you can have i guess an infinite number of cameras whereas maybe it was only limited to like one before or something i've heard nothing but really bad things about people who have tried to use a homekit enabled home camera so this isn't something i've really otherwise kept very close track of um I, the most interesting part of icloud plus slash also kind of the most confusing part of it was the pricing where i was thinking during this whole part of the presentation like oh boy here <laughs> here's apple raising icloud prices um, or creating some type of like additional service you can buy on top of your iCloud subscription but but no it's same same prices as today but so what that really means is that if you're on the if it's basically still tied to like storage because like when you're when you buy iCloud that's kind of I mean kind of pre iCloud plus that was really all you were buying because I mean you know contact sync and like all the other things that like iCloud does I think also like iCloud or uh, iMessage in the cloud all that kind of stuff like you just get that by having you know an iPhone or iPad or whatever but then you can pay for more iCloud storage so if you're someone who already pays for iCloud storage you get this iCloud plus stuff for the same price as what you're currently paying and also presumably if you're an apple one subscriber you'll get this stuff now too oh yeah because at that point you're already in for like 13 dollars a month at least yeah so So does this mean even people who are on the 99 cent 50 gig tier get it i believe so interesting and i think someone found that the only sort of caveat to people who are on that base paid iCloud tiers it was something to do with the HomeKit secure video stuff where I think it's maybe still just one camera whereas on the higher tiers it's it's multiple cameras but otherwise it sounds like yeah you get access to the private relay thing as well as hide my email mm-hmm. so you know kind of neat I guess presumably Apple will continue to add more stuff to iCloud Plus over time and that this is just kind of the first set of features, but but we'll see. Yeah, I mean we make jokes about the name, but I, I don't this doesn't feel very plus. Like I I why well, that, that's why kind of what that's that's what I mean. It feels to me like there will be more to come now and that this is this is a first pass. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, health was the last section I mentioned here before watchOS. I don't, I don't have anything to add with health. I don't think, um, unless no, you do. I mean, again, kind of like the ID thing. Um, it's not that important or interesting just because coupling some stuff like that, that's that important, like health records, one that requires a lot of buy-in from a lot of different stakeholders and partners. But like, eh, I, the fact that, I don't understand how Apple or iOS is going to be the linchpin in your medical records set. So the whole thing of worth like, hey, you can now get your your lab reports or any medical testing that you have done or records delivered straight into the health app. I'm like, that seems neat. But again, that's that's one of those things where you have to be very, very tightly integrated into the Apple ecosystem. And now having to think of, if am I going to buy a different phone next upgrade cycle but oh all my health records are somehow tied to apple computers like i i, I don't know so i mean it's it's neat but it this whole section was very very much a lot of more of the same of um if you're in the apple ecosystem really hard great and if every part of your life happens to also align with that yeah so watch os was our was our next big section we got kevin lynch which is always great um yeah like like him as a presenter um, one of us <laughs> that's right um you know they they spent the first part talking about some new kind of mental health oriented features including enhancements to the breath app and this new new app called reflect which actually maybe is part of just this new mindfulness app i don't know there there's enhance enhancements to the existing set of mindfulness features in watch os um they're bringing respiratory rate information into the health app and into the sleep app there were some new um fitness plus announcements there was some celebrity trainer who's doing some videos and i think they had like a couple of different workout types um one new watch face which was the portrait watch face and they they gave a really interesting tidbit here which i'm i'm very troubled by which is the photo watch face is the quote most popular watch face on apple watch checks out I, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I look at any anybody who has an apple watch that's not a nerd and it's the photo face it, it's it's very very upsetting to me I, I i can't i don't have anything nice to say about that um i mean the 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 portrait watch face i mean it looks nice but ugh, i i that would just not be what i would choose to use um but the, the by far and away the coolest part of of watchOS, which I think was was the kind of the last part of this segment, was the dictation improvements. And I'm I'm someone who actually like I find myself using this more and more. Like I actually think Scribble works incredibly well on Apple Watch, and you know dictation works mostly well. But it it's it it's a limited interface currently where. You kind of have to choose one or the other. You 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 don't have any sort of like you can't start dictating but then scribble or vice versa. You have to kind of go into one mode or the other. And there's also no way to do things like emoji if you're in either of those modes. And now in watchOS eight, is that the number they're on? 
um, you have scribble, dictation, and emojis all in one view, and you can kind of like bounce bounce between those three different types of um, text entry or emoji entry, and that all looked really really good. Yeah, pretty cool. Yeah, I, I haven't tried too much text entry directly on the watch itself other than just talking to Hey Siri. But yeah, I mean, it's pretty cool. Yeah, because I, I sort of, I, I guess my use case a lot of times is like if I'm working in, you know, working in the yard or something or just like I'm in, in, in a part of the house where, you know, I've just I've left my phone some in a different room and I just want to quickly respond to something. Um, that's gotten a lot better than it used to be on Apple Watch. And that this seems like another huge huge set of improvements mm. is this it, on device or does this still make our trip to the cloud i don't think they specified mm. um and then they also talked um some about like improving the ability to like share photos on apple watch like when you're messaging someone and I, there were improvements to the photos app on apple watch but i mean who's using that like who's looking at photos on their watch? i, I don't know they well, the people the whole... are still saying their heartbeat. <laughs> yeah, right. Nice. Um, oh, and Apple Apple Watch supports um, gifts now, which is great. Oh, goody. <laughs> um, so then we got another sort of um, non-OS segment before getting to the Mac, which was the home segment, which I sort of chalk up to Apple clearly spent a lot of money building that fancy <laughs> home set. Um, well, they're spending $50 million on HWWDC as they presented in the Epic case. <laughs> right. Um, and the, the home set is really cool. So, you know, it, it is, it is neat to see them use it. Um, and I, I guess apparently Apple does intend to continue using it. You know, this was, this reminded me a lot of the iPad segment where when they, when they first went to it, like when they're like, oh, hey, we've got a home segment now, you're like, oh, shit, this, this could be some cool stuff. But no, it, it, it really, there really wasn't anything here that, that was all that interesting. They, they demoed the ability to use Siri to like not only turn on your Apple TV, but have it like go right to a show that you specify, which I don't know, seems like a very niche use case, but sure. Um, they talked a bunch about HomePod Mini and some various features that that's getting. Um, and then they did they did mention Matter, which is you know formerly known as as Chip, this whole smart home alliance thing. Um, they called out that you know this is going to be formally supported in iOS 15, and I I think this was sort of part of Matter is they're going to allow Siri on select third-party home devices. So the, the demo, I think, was like on an Ecobee thermostat. There's going to be Siri on that now. So are you going to switch all your, your home Sonos to Siri? I, that, I saw that, I think, on somewhere on the Twitter or something, that, that that's something that people are now thinking is going to happen, which, of oh, course I'm not. No, no. I'm, of course I'm not going to use that. Um. So yeah, I mean they you know they they acknowledged matter um in this forum which which I guess was something but otherwise 
nothing i don't know nothing really interesting in home i didn't think the set was the coolest part of this segment <laughs> um so then the mac mac os monterey still not irvine still, still not still not the irvine spectrum which is which is really a missed opportunity but mm-hmm. but maybe next year um first thing they showed was the definitely the the I would say one of the weirder features Apple has has done in a really long time, which we referenced earlier, universal control. So the idea here, there's like a, there's like a couple different things going on with this feature. So the first is the idea that if you're on your Mac, let's say, and you know you're using a keyboard and mouse on your Mac, you if your if your iPad is nearby or your macbook pro or macbook whatever you can use that same keyboard and mouse on that device so it's like sort of like kvm functionality without actually having a kvm and then the other part of this that they showed was that you'll be able to drag and drop various things like photos and and I probably like text and stuff like that between like an iPad and your Mac or between one Mac to the next, which I mean, sort of made for like sort of a neat demo, but again, to sort of just steal from like Jason Snell, like who, like who wanted this? Who asked for this? Like what 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 use case was laid out where this was this was you know the 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 answer to to something? Like it's just it's it's a weird it's a weird feature that just I can't think of any scenario that I would use. Yeah, I mean there's been an open source project for a while called Synergy where you can kind of do do you know what a KVM switch is? Well, I just I just referenced one, so yeah. Oh, I'm a. Sorry. <laughs> uh, you wake me thanks up for thanks point. for listening. <laughs> uh, I was like, anyway, um, I'm sure I heard it. This seems like a slightly more like it's just an iCloud link interpretation of that. Like, but I as this because this was kind of like the highlight feature of the new OS, right? Uh, no, I, I know. I would say I would say the, the, shortcuts was the highlight feature. But shortcuts and automate are so much. Like I, I assume the install base of iOS, less than two percent use shortcuts, so or have ever intentionally opened shortcuts. Right? Yeah. Let, let's let's get into the the shortcut stuff. Um, because I actually was thinking about this um, right after the keynote, which is Apple. Apple really like to their credit, I think, has invested a ton into shortcuts it's it's become a really really powerful tool that is capable of way more than i ever imagined would be you know possible on an apple platform and they and they've you know i think that was true even from version one and they they've continued to iterate on it in a lot of i think really really cool ways but with that being said i never use it and i agree with you that like when i look at it 
I'm thinking, who uses this? Like who, like how many people really use shortcuts? But I mean, Apple, Apple has invested a ton into it and they consistently spend a lot of time on it in these presentations. So that makes me think that it is, that it is used, but, but I'm with you. Like my, my guess otherwise would be that, yeah, this is like 2% of users. Yeah. I mean, it just doesn't, doesn't seem like anybody would actually use this, but like apparently the, they do. Maybe like, I mean, cause it feels like shortcuts was kind of like, it seems like a neat project and it seems like a way that, uh, Apple could placate the people who demanding more complexity to iOS, like kind of, you know, like the Federico set, but like I, like I use automator, but I like, I don't like I've tried using shortcuts on iOS and the only time I've ever semi successfully done it was when I wrote a script that allowed me to use Siri in the car to note my current location. And even that was a huge pain in the butt to set up. So I don't know who who's using it. I mean, like I'm, I'm happy that automator is getting a little bit of attention because it's been mostly unchanged since like OS 10.6. But I mean, I, I certainly do not see that as being the highlight of this release. Like there's, cause I don't like, there wasn't really anything in here, uh, on top of what Big Sur had other than like, it also is getting the focus and enhanced do not disturb features and Safari is now different for people who don't use Chrome. Like, I mean, there wasn't a ton here. Well, yeah, I mean, that, and that was actually another part of the presentation as a whole that we actually haven't really explicitly called out here, which is that there really weren't many features, it, it, gosh, if any, that were really exclusive to one platform or the other. It really was like everything they announced was sort of available everywhere, which which is which is cool i guess but yeah going back to the shortcut stuff like it's not something i personally use but i don't know like i i was happy to see that that people who do use this stuff and who have been really wanting shortcuts to come to the mac seem really excited and it it sounds like apple did this the right way including things like being able to just directly import your existing automator actions into shortcuts and having those work. And I guess Jason Snell posted something about some crazy complicated automator action he had that he was sure would totally break shortcuts and it, it didn't, it just worked. And that's, you know, that that's neat. Um, and Apple actually also described bringing shortcuts to the Mac as just sort of like the start of a multi-year transition with improving automation on the Mac, which again, I, I think highlights that Apple really cares about shortcuts and, and invests a lot into it, which is, which is surprising because it just doesn't seem like something a lot of people would use. But, <laughs> um, but again, I, I'm, I'm happy for the people who use it. They seem really excited about it. I, I have always kind of wanted to get more into it, but it's shortcuts is also just like a lot of the smart home stuff where it's like yeah i could spend a lot of time setting up complicated scenes and 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 automated actions and stuff but i don't know is it really worth it like i i don't know um 
couple of other small things. Um, they introduced AirPlay to the Mac. So you can now use... Meaning your, your Mac is the destination. Correct. Yeah. So you can, you know, AirPlay a video from your, say, your iPhone to your Mac, or you can use your Mac as a target for, like, music that you're playing. You know, I, I'm not totally sure what, what the use case is here either outside of, like, you don't know if you, if you're if you're in in a conference room or something um where you want to share something to somebody else's mac like i i don't know i'm not exactly sure what this would be used for but um and then the other thing that i had written down in the mac section was this was the new look to safari which you've already mentioned is was brought across all the different platforms I don't use Safari, so I, I don't really have like a ton of insight into like exactly what's new and better. But you know, they did highlight sort of this new minimalist look it has. There's this idea of tab groups, which is sort of similar to the notification discussion. I'm I'm just not someone that has like a million tabs open at all the time, and whenever someone does a screen share with me and they do it just stresses me the hell out so i i don't know that if like to me to me if you're someone who has so many tabs that you need to start grouping them together mm -hmm. you're you're missing the forest through the trees a bit you're not really solving the, the root the root complication there nobody should have more than eight tabs open unless they're have like 12 airbnb tabs open and even then that should only be for like an hour yeah exactly yeah um and then i guess you know the, the big news i guess was was extensions being brought to ipad and iphone so you know apple revamped extensions as part of their os updates last year but it it was limited to just the mac and so now they're bringing all that to the ipad and iphone Again, though, I'm not somebody who uses a ton of browser extensions, so not the right audience for that. Yeah. Um, and then we mentioned this at the very beginning. The last section here was developer technologies. I'm not going to pretend to really understand what most of this was. There were you know, a bunch of new APIs and improvements to Swift. Um, and then there was a section on the app store um which well during highlighted which they highlighted how much they paid to people <laughs> yeah that was that was something um where'd the money and, come from yeah right um and they they also um they highlighted like some like a b testing you can do on your app store pages now and like in-app events you can do that but a bunch of like kind of marketing focused stuff on um on the app store which cool i guess and that was the wwdc 2021 keynote yeah weird event a lot of a lot of consumer facing stuff and a lot of features that i feel like are fairly shallow 
I guess is maybe my my takeaway. Like, and I'm not and I'm not complaining, but I just feel like a a lot of things didn't really change what people might have complained about in in, in a number of ways. There was no change to the because they weren't really talking to developers. They didn't change the revenue split. They didn't fundamentally change a lot of the app store or developer policies. Um, notifications didn't really change. iPad OS didn't change. Um, yeah, not a, not a ton there. And and most of the novelty features there were all centered around Apple services and value adds. So I mean, yeah, a little little bit of a snooze. Not not that I really care too much, or that I'm like I'm not like not upset about it. But I mean, eh, was it was kind of like a weird year. A lot of iterative stuff. Yeah. I would say nothing, nothing, nothing big. Yeah. All right, Chef Specials. Let's do it. All right. So I've got two for you this week. Ooh. Well, s- s- sort of, sort of two. Um, really selling it? No, I, I actually, I'm, I, I like these. Um, whoa. <laughs> Oops. That's not a, that's not a complete URL. I just Ooh, that's sent a password. You. How? No, it's no. not. It's it's just the end of. Um, how do how do URLs work? What's a web page? Mm. Um, here we go. So the first, so the, these are going to be two different Apple Watch bands. So the first is something that Apple's been doing every year for a while now, where every um, every time for around Pride Month, they come out with Pride Edition Apple Watch bands. And listeners from last year will remember they did a Pride Sport Band, which I just love. It's like one of my favorite Apple Watch bands. Was that um, the one that was like perforated, sort of like the Nike one? No, this is like the the classic Sport Band. Got the it. The poly whatever. Floral Esmer? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I actually think that's what it is. Um, I love that band. And this year they did a nike sport loop band um and even longer time listeners will remember that i've had one of these sport loop bands in the past not a nike one but a you know a regular sport loop band and i wasn't like the biggest fan of it it's a little finicky to to get on and off um but it is actually a really comfortable band once you have it on and i i had never had a nike one and i actually don't really know how much of a difference is there is between a Nike sport loop versus a regular one. But in any case, I thought that the pride version looked really nice. And I actually didn't have any Apple watch bands prior to this that were predominantly like had the kind of like a, like a white kind of emphasis on them. Um, yeah, I've got a lot of like, you know, I've got like a Brown leather one and like a, like a black knockoff link bracelet and, and a bunch of other like kind of, funky colors of sports bands and stuff but like having a white apple watch band is something i i haven't had and i'm actually wearing this one right now and it it looks really nice and like i said earlier the the sport loop is is comfortable once you once you actually get it on cool and then the second apple watch pick i have also in the um the nike family of sport band watches is this really cool new color that they did in the traditional Nike sport band, 
which they call chlorine blue slash green glow. They always have the, the funniest color names. Um, and again, like, obviously, like, I didn't have a band before that was, like, anything like this color. So it just, it was kind of similar to that Pride band. It just was sort of a, a different style of band than I've, than I've ever, or kind of different primary color of band than I've ever had before. So just kind of a way to mix things up. And this band looks really, really cool in person. I actually noticed a couple of the um, presenters during the WWDC keynote were wearing this band, too. Um, it just, it looks really nice in person. Um, I mean, it's, it's, you know, even I'm sure this comes through the website. Like it's, it's, it's a very bright kind of bold band. So like this, <laughs> it's not something you'd wear to a nice dinner or anything, but, um, but it's a really, it's a fun Apple watch band. I, I, I really like it. Yeah, chlorine is generally not a word you'd ever associate with like a positive affirmation of color, <laughs> but it's very it's very pretty. It's a yeah. nice shade of kind of like a, a tealish or like an aquamarine blue, and then the um the kind of like uh, mint green accents are neat. Yeah, I'm and it, it it really, I mean, I think it looks nice on the website. I mean, that that's why I bought it, but but it it, it looks even nicer in person. I think. Yeah, I'm very I'm. I, I can't afford it, or I mean, I it's 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 a frivolous purchase, but I, I can't. But I do like this. <clears throat> it's called Spruce Aura, the fourth one on this page. It's a very yeah, nice that subtle color. That one's nice. Yeah. yeah, for sixty bucks, that's a lot. Yeah, no, I mean, this this has been discussed before. Like the the Apple Watch bands from Apple are ridiculously expensive, but. They are really, really nice quality. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you you do mostly feel like you're getting what you pay for because third-party Apple Watch bands are such a hit-or-miss thing, whereas, like, you know with Apple Watch bands you're you're going to get, a you know, a high-quality band. So I mean, you're right with that <clears throat> because the Amazon ones are, like, sure, they're, like, on average, like, 7 to $10, but they're... They get weird and gross after like two months, but yeah, fifty bucks is still, and then plus taxes is still kind of a lot. But you, you, you are right that they actually are better. Yeah, and they, and they're and they're just they're really comfortable. I mean, both this sport loop and just the regular sport band. You know, I mean, I, again, I'm someone who who literally now wears their Apple Watch. You know, twenty four seven, with the exception of you know the hour a day that I charge it or whatever. Um, and so you know. This this is kind of the 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 fretwell doctrine, right? With the for the Ryan doctrine with the with the iPhone, like the Apple Watch is just something that I use a ton of. So, you know, I want my bands to be nice because I mean that's <laughs> that's how the Apple Watch stays with you. So, you, you want to buy them at Walgreens? <laughs> and it's not even like I'm not worried about a third party Apple Watch band like totally breaking and losing my apple watch like I've, I've never had something like that happen before with a third party band but yeah but there is just a nicer look and feel that you get with the apple watch or with the with the apple bands compared to a lot of the third party stuff are you still on the apple product page i am under the price does it say for uh, 49 or 49 a month for null months no, I I actually see forty nine dollars or four dollars and eight cents for twelve months, gotcha. which I saw that when I bought these bands 
and you chose not to finance it i i did choose not to finance it and well i just i i had i had some thoughts with financing being presented as an option with a 49 dollar <laughs> purchase but well apparently the price is so low or, or it that my, the chrome it's broken in chrome where it says null months um <laughs> uh, but anyway that's cool all right um yeah that uh, spruce aura is tempting but closing the command w um i don't really have one this week but i will actually pull something out of the i don't know i don't know if this made the outline or the grab bag but um it's gonna be a retroactive chef special and something that's kind of we're kind of gonna be be like uh pouring out a a a two towns cider for so mail plane is Mm. end of life and that's really a bummer. So Mailplane is this app that we learned about from, oh, we haven't talked about him at all this episode, uh, Jason Snell, where <laughs> it's a uh, a native OS ten Mac app wrapper for Gmail with some nice like value adds and kind of affordances. And apparently Google has made some under the hood tweaks with Gmail that maybe makes this less feasible to make in the future. So uh last week I got an email saying that hey, it's it's no longer going to be sold and they're going to keep trying to update as much as they can, but it seems very likely that it's probably going to break in the coming months. And yeah, Mailplane's an app I've been using for god like at least 5 years um and I've had a couple of paid upgrades for it and and it's been great cuz I I know a lot of people tend to hate on G Suite, but even though I, I loathe Google Docs and Google Sheets, I actually very much like the Gmail web interface. Mm-hmm. And it's always been nice to have it kind of just not sitting as one of many tabs in a browser window, to have it have its own app icon and that it would properly follow mail to links inside of OS ten. And yeah, it's a bummer. So if it I I assume at some point in time it has been a chef special, but I mean, I don't recommend you buy it since it's not going to work anymore, but uh, I feel like it it deserves its due as being an awesome app that will be, will be no more soon. Yeah, it's, it's a huge bummer. I mean, it's, it's my most used app on the Mac um, by far. Um, It, it also is really, it's a really great interface for managing multiple google accounts like if you're like someone like me who's got a personal gmail account and a work one it's you can have those set up into different tabs within mailplane which is really nice you can also have google calendar be mm-hmm. a tab within mailplane which i don't i don't use for like personal calendar stuff but i but i do use at work and is is really nice um yeah it's it's a great a great app a really simple app or at least simple sounding app i'm sure it's not simple like behind the scenes but mm-hmm. um well, it's, got very, it's very to the point and not crufty it just right. does what it's supposed to do yeah which i mean I'm, I'm sort of holding out hope that maybe this could still get resolved but i, I don't know we'll see yeah huge bummer but yeah done good for as long as it's been around 